Disclaimer, all private home games discussed in this episode are not raked. There are no paid dealers and hosts do not charge anything to play. Names, venues, and dates may be changed to protect the innocent. Enjoy. Welcome to the show. This is the SLC Rounders Poker Podcast. I'm Mean Dean, sitting here in Salt Lake City, Utah, playing in the home games. This is the podcast all about Salt Lake City poker and the poker scene here in Utah. Welcome to the show. As always, you can head over to slcrounders.com. That's our website. You can email me at meandean at slcrounders.com. We're available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, most of the places you would get your show. I don't know why I'm really saying that, because if you're listening to this, you already know how to find the show, but I think I'm supposed to say it. So I uploaded episode one, kind of a trailer for the show last week. I plan on doing the show maybe every couple weeks, but uh, I had some interesting poker action last night, and I just wanted to get into a hand review and just talk a little bit about a couple things. So today we're gonna we're not gonna really do any poker news. We're gonna do a hand review from a pretty interesting hand that happened in a one-one game last night, and we're also gonna talk about the theory of running it twice. But before we get into all that, I want to talk about the show structure a little bit. So I'm still feeling it out. I don't quite know what this show is gonna look like. I'm hoping to do some interviews with some players. Uh, I brought up the fact that I had this podcast at the table last night and nobody seemed to give two fucks about it. So I feel like it might be a little bit more difficult to get people to talk about it. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's gambling or whatever. It's kind of a vice or something that people probably don't really want to talk about. Uh, you know, these are just random dudes playing in a little poker game. I don't think they really want to be on a podcast or sit down and chat with me. So we'll see how that goes in the future. For now, it might be just me doing a show every couple weeks uh, talking about, you know, my view on <laughs> the scene. So without yakking on too much longer, let's jump right into the hand review for today. All right, the hand that I want to talk about today was a hand I played in last night, so it's pretty fresh in my memory. And this is a 1-1, meaning small blind, $1, big blind, $1 uh, home game. Again, as I've discussed before, these games play pretty big. Uh, I think everybody bought in for 200 bucks, And then as people bust out, tend to rebuy at a, a higher than $200. It's a live game. There's a lot of action. It's a real fun game. A lot of familiar faces. Uh, I don't think there was anybody there that I've never played with before. Everybody kind of knows each other. Uh, it's a pretty regular game. All right. We are nine-handed, and we're sitting with about $900. We bought in for $300. So we bought in for 200 and restacked up a little bit as po as as the sizes of everybody's stacks were getting larger. We bought in for another hundred, so we're we're running good at this point in the game. We're about midway through the night, and we're sitting in the cutoff position with Queen Jack of Hearts. The blinds post. Oh, and you can follow along in the show notes. So wherever you get this podcast, just click on the more details or whatever for this episode. There's a link 
to the hand replayer in the show notes. So I know it's kind of hard to follow a poker hand just using audio. And of course you can't do this if you're driving or whatever, but if you have the ability, go into the show notes and click on the link and you can actually follow along with the hand and visually see what we're talking about. So under the gun plus two limps for a dollar, we get another limp for middle position and we get who we're calling villain number two. I'm not going to, I'm going to try to avoid using people's names on here. Um, So we'll see how that goes, but I just don't want to give personal information out if I can avoid it. But um, we're calling villain number two raises to 15. So you might think, oh my God, it's a one, one game and he made it 15. That doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Like the standard in these one, one games is eight to 15. 15 is a pretty big raise, but it doesn't mean much. Um, And villain is sitting on $800 and I'm sitting on $900. So it sounds crazy deep and it is a $15 raise kind of makes sense based on those stack sizes. Um, so villain number two makes it 15 and he's in the middle position plus one. So there's one person to act before me between he and I, um, that person folds and it's to me. So again, we are in the cutoff position with queen jack of hearts. We've had two limps and a race to 15 and a fold. We got several people behind us. We got queen jack of hearts. I don't really feel the need to push back. So my, my, my read on villain, we know each other pretty well. We've played together a lot. This is a very tough player, very loose, aggressive plays in much, much bigger games. Um, usually, playing in a lot bigger games. He's made deep runs in WSOP events. He's very well known in the Salt Lake City poker scene. I consider him uh, a much better player than I am. Um, And he's very, very loose aggressive, but he can really change up his style and adapt. And he's just really tough. So I'm glad that he's to my right. He's not directly to my right, but I'm been playing pretty careful like if i have like king jack offsuit <laughs> i don't want to go up against him out of position right so i'm not really playing a super tight range against him i'm just being careful about the situation i'm going to end up in after the flop so um you know d- depending on certain people or somebody else made it like eight i might raise here with queen jack and um, but, you know, Queen Jack of Hearts plays so well multi-way. We should have position. Um, you know, I think you can raise, but I typically tend to, when I play against someone that a lot of people might call a maniac, um, but actually who's really good at poker, um, when I play against someone that's just really loose, aggressive, really wide ranges, puts in a lot of money, money doesn't really seem to matter to them, especially at this level. Um, I don't tend to try and, like, over aggressive those people so i play more aggressive towards certain people than i do with other people and um with this particular player um i don't think going super aggressive with them is the right choice we've seen uh, he's actually down like a couple grand at this point in the night doesn't mean much though (laughs) he'll swing several grand in a one-one game no problem and it won't even phase him. And he's definitely willing to put you to the test if he's got a read on you that you got like queen jack and <laughs> you hit like a jack or something. He's going to put you to the test. He he has no problem over betting 
uh, you know, and and check raising. And you just got to be real careful with this particular player. So we just flat. We get a call from the button directly to our left, which is pretty expected. Button is um, the host of this game and really loose (laughs) action player for sure. We get a call from who we're calling villain number one, which is in the small blind. We get a fold from the big blind, a fold from one of the limpers, and a call from the other limper in middle position. So we're going to a flop. We are five-handed. We don't even have position in the cutoff. And everybody's in for 15. There's 77 bucks in the pot. Villain number one has about 400 behind pre-flop. Villain number two had about 800 behind, and we had about 900 behind. So we cover them both, and we're all pretty deep. Flop comes down queen of clubs, eight of seven, (laughs) eight of diamonds, seven of diamonds. Queen, eight, seven, two diamonds. We have queen jack of hearts. We get a check from the the under-the-gun villain one. A check from middle position, so we check to the razor. The razor makes it 40 bucks. Again, that's our villain number two, um, who we have called uh, kind of a, a pretty loose, aggressive, very good, dangerous player. He makes it 40 here. So I feel like my queen jack is probably best. Um, it might not be. With, with him, you never quite know. Um but the board looks with that eight seven and all these limp calls or whatever. Um, I just feel like it's a pretty wet board. Like there's just a lot of draws um, with those little suited connectors and stuff. So uh, I, I don't just call here and let five people get a great price on a board like this. Like I, I feel like I have to raise here. Um, he made it forty into um, what was it seventy seven. And so there's 117 in the pot. I make it 125. Uh, now, I just made this decision last night. I'm replaying it in my head. I still feel like it's a, a good decision here. Um, I think we can start at least charging the draws. Some of the weaker, like, gut shots might get out of the way. Um, and we got position on villain number two, which is great. Um, so I, I think we just have to raise here. Uh, the button folds. And then villain number one in the big blind re-raises all in for 385. <laughs> so <clears throat> our read on villain number one is uh, again at a lot of these home games you get a lot of loose aggressive players. They like to kind of play into each other and and everybody kind of knows each other and it's it's a fun good time. Um, this player. Is definitely, I would call them a action player, someone who sees a lot of flops. Um, Not horrible at poker, but not as good at poker as villain number two. I do consider ourselves at least as good, if not better, at poker in general than villain number one. But I don't consider villain number one as like super, uh, like a fish or a weak. Um, It's very much kind of aware of where he stands he just bluffs too much he's always going to try and show that he has it he's already shown a couple pretty big bluffs he's an action player he loves bluffing he loves 
shoving his stacks fluctuate insane up, up and down um but he's just not nearly as dangerous as villain number two in terms of like experience and and ability to just outplay you so his shove to me is a really strong draw that's my thought is it's a really strong draw that's what he does with really strong draws in this spot he check raises them there's a chance he could have queen eight queen seven are definitely in his range all the sets all the two pairs all the draws <laughs> he could have any of it but my read on him is a, a real strong draw he, this is just what he does with strong draws i've just seen it enough times the middle position folds so we're three-handed at this point action is on villain number two with 745 behind, there's 627 in the pot, and then he reshoves all in. <laughs> so we got a huge decision to make at this point. We have Queen Jack, right? So we don't even have like Ace Queen, King Queen. Essentially, everything beats us but the draws. So we have to to make a call here for our whole stack, but it's gonna be a huge pot. We have to pretty much know that both of them are on draws and that neither of their draws hit. So let's say one's on the straight draw, one's on the flush draw. Can my queen jack fade both of them? And what if one of them has queen eight, pocket eights, pocket sevens? Pocket queens is even sort of likely among villain number two. An overpair beats me, king, queen, ace, queen, like so much beats me. So I struggle with this fold because these guys are such action players. And my read, honestly, on both of them was a draw. Um, but I just couldn't pull the trigger on a call here. I think I have to fold. It's another, it's my whole stack. It's another 760. I'm only in this pot, the original 15 plus the 125 raise. So I'm in this pot, um, what is that, 140? I'm in at 140, which isn't nothing, but I got to go in for another 760 <laughs> with queen jack on a queen high board. And I, I just, I feel like a fold is right. I don't know what everybody else is going to say here. Based on these players, I actually really considered it. But I do fold, so they're both all in. <laughs> and... Uh, villain number one, who originally shoved, turns over jack nine of diamonds. So a diamond draw plus a gut shot to the straight flush. Um, so pretty much a straight flush draw. And the villain number two flips over six five of diamonds for the open-ended straight flush draws. So they were both on these incredibly strong draws. <laughs> And the board runs out blank. I think it went like two, three. Um, and so the jack high <laughs> wins like a $1,000 pot. <laughs> it, was, it was wild. I don't remember the exact pot sizes of everybody, but it was at least a $1,000 pot with jack high pretty fucking wild i laid down the best hand it would have held up if i went all in i would have just scooped both of them i'd have been sitting with like two grand um pretty crazy hand but uh yeah i just kind of wondering uh if the raise is bad there i don't think it was um if the 
raise fold is <laughs> not typically the best way to play poker, uh, raising for value and then still on the flop folding. <laughs> um, but I haven't ran it through the poker, you know, Equilab calculator to see the, the, um, equities, but I, I'm pretty sure I was ahead. Um, but I just, you know, I don't know if one's on the straight draw, one's on the flush. There's just, there's two pairs out there too. There's sets. There's even better queens that might get real aggressive from either of these players. I mean, I I would say that both of them would probably play ace, queen, and king, queen the same way. <laughs> um, definitely queen, eight, queen, seven, eight, seven. Um, I mean, obviously you can see these guys play super aggressive. I mean, they just couldn't wait to get it all in with huge stacks. Both of them with essentially the same draw. It's a big draw, though. I get it. Too many things beat me. So that's the hand review for today. All right, remember, if you want to send me your hand reviews, we can go over them on the show and just email meandean at slcrounders.com. All right, let's move on to our next segment, or at least topic, which is going to be a controversial one with some people, and this is running it twice. So what is running it twice? Running it twice is when two players are all in and there's no more action and they can make a deal to run out the rest of the hand multiple times if they'd like. Uh, you could run it out once, twice, three times. Um, it, lately, I've seen that running it three times seems to be the new favorite because then usually there's a winner. Somebody usually wins two-thirds of the pot. Somebody else wins a third. But what I want to talk about with running it twice is there's kind of two different schools of thought as to whether you should run it twice or whether you shouldn't. And uh, both of them are wrong. I'll just say that right now. But the, the number one <laughs> school of thought that's kind of intuitive and that I've found everybody I play with tends to think this way, or at least it's the impression that I get from everyone, is that if you're behind, meaning you have lower equity, you should want to run it more than once. And, you, and if you're ahead, you should not run it more than once. That's kind of the number one school of thought. Like, oh, I only have a few outs. Can you give me, can we run it more so I can have a more chance of hitting those outs? And you're right, running it more times, you have more chance of hitting those outs, but your equity in a hand already accounts for your chance of hitting outs. So all you're going to do the more times you run it is just get closer to your actual expectation or your equity in a hand. So if you have 65% equity, the other guy has 35% equity. If you run that exact same situation out, a hundred times, you should hopefully be relatively close to 65% equity, but you probably won't be because there's a lot of variance in this game. You run it out a thousand times, a hundred thousand times, the more times you run it, the closer those equities should be realized. So your equity is your equity and it doesn't change depending on how much you run it. That's the biggest takeaway with running it twice mathematically and this is a mathematical game and we're talking about statistics here the equities do not change no matter how many times you run it period on the other end of the spectrum i've heard one person in particular adamantly argue that the exact opposite is true that if you have high equity you should want to run it as many times as you can because you have a lot of equity and if you got 90% equity and the guy gets 10, you should want to run it as many times as you possibly can. The logic being I have equity, 
Let's do it as many times as we can. The problem with that logic is there's not a new bet every time you run it. You are running it on the same wager. The bet has been made. You're both all in and your equities are set and you're just running it multiple times to realize that equity to lower variance, really. I mean, that's the overall thing is to running it twice. All it does is lower the variance of the game by getting you closer to your actual equity. That's the one real thing it does. It doesn't give you more equity. It doesn't give somebody else more of a chance of winning or less of a chance of winning because the bet is already made. At least that's my take on it. <laughs> so should you run it twice? Should you not run it twice? It really comes down to lowering variance. I'm, I am a proponent of lowering variance in poker. So I'll typically always run it twice or three times. I really don't care, even if I'm way ahead or way behind. Let's run it twice if you want to run it twice. The only downside to it, really, is it slows down the game. Splitting the pot, deciding if you're going to run it, how many times you're going to run it, um, all that negotiation. Like you got to make that decision quick. If you're sitting there talking about it forever, it's rude. If you are running it twice or whatever, just, just make the decision quick and go with it. Hopefully you have a dealer that's really good at splitting pots and running it out quick. Um, that's the only downside to it. Um, it can make the game a little bit more fun if you run it twice. People tend to get interested in like, ooh, I'm running it twice. They're usually probably more interested because it's all in. But um, it can be a little fun, especially if you're like behind and you scoop or something. <laughs> you realize that 10% of equity twice in a row, that's pretty nice. Uh, but anyway, yeah, running it twice, there, there's not really a strategic reason to do it or not do it. And a lot of people are like, I won't make a decision until I see their hand or until my hand is shown. That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't matter. There have been some arguments about, you know, well, you should like do max pain or somebody who has a lower bankroll. You could, you know, kind of put a lot of pressure on their bankroll and crush like some player who's got all his money involved or something. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> it, it is higher variance. It is max pressure. That is correct. You are playing a higher variance game by not running it twice. But when they hit that card on you, you can't really be upset. <laughs> when they hit their 10% chance 10% of the time, you're going to lose that hand. So, you know, play it cool, I guess. All right, that's going to do it for episode two of the SLC Poker Podcast. I'm Mean Dean. Don't forget to go over to slcrounders.com. Check us out. Uh, contact us if you want to be on the show or have your hand on the show or if you got anything interesting to talk about. And I'll see you at the next one. Bye. Bye.